0: stories allow us to get empathy for other people they allow us to understand the flaws in our culture they also help us to understand the best parts of our culture and they allow us to explore the possibilities of what would happen if we didn't do this or if we did do this so i don't think there's a better way than story
1: From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you are in marketing, you are an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, Dan Moyle. Welcome, storytellers. I'm your host, your guide, your librarian, the the bookstore seller. I'm Dan Moyle, and I love story. I love sharing stories of storytellers that I admire and some that I'm just getting to know alongside you. I believe in the power of story because I know that it connects us. It's what makes us human, from culture to business to learning to just enjoying our lives. Story is critical to our communication and what better way to learn how to do it better than to hear from expert storytellers from all walks of life. Before we get into the conversation a quick nudge visit the website head to the storytellersnetwork.com for past episodes with amazing storytellers links to resources to help you tell your story better and contact information for me and be sure to subscribe via email so you can get monthly emails or maybe sometimes more often, uh, updates on new episodes. You can all sign up. You can sign up all there at the storytellersnetwork.com. Now for the show, author, Chad Pettit grew up in the in the. So now for the show, author Chad Pettit grew up lost in the world of fantasy fiction, but alienated from a knowledge of God. With no real direction in life, he shipped out for basic training just twelve days after graduating high school. And from there, he continued down a path of destruction and sin through two combat tours in Iraq. But then he was pulled back from all of that destruction and met God. Awesome story. I love this. I love how he writes it all out on his website as well. But that's that's Chad's story. Now one passion that never left him was his love for fiction. And for the last seven years now as as this episode is going live, he has done just that. He's gone back to school. He earned his degree in English. He developed his craft. He's now teaching young people how to do just that as an English teacher himself, and he writes stories. In fact, he went from being a self-published author to being a traditionally published author. Now he's on a mission to pull back the curtain on spiritual warfare and show others how to overcome trials through faith. I love it. I'm so excited to bring you Chad Pettit. So let's get to his stories. Chad, welcome to the Storytellers Network, man. Thanks for taking time uh, to chat with storytellers and tell your story, man.
0: Thank you for having me on, Dan. I appreciate it. How you doing?
1: Absolutely. I'm better than I deserve, man. I'm happy and, and having fun. So. Um, so let's start with the real easy one. Uh, considering you're an author, this probably would be yes, but do you consider yourself a storyteller?
0: Above everything else, yes. <laughs> Right. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And where do you think you discovered that? Like, is this something that you knew all of your life or that you just kind of fell into? Where did you figure out that you were a storyteller for sure?
0: I think that was, that's more of a recent realization for me. Uh, I always consider myself a writer and I just wanted to write. And of course I wanted to write stories, but I didn't know exactly what that meant. But as I've written poetry and as I've done different things in life, I've just realized that storytelling permeates everything we do. And I just really love being a storyteller. Um I think everything about me is is kind of wrapped up in that. Like even even my beard. Uh there's a story behind the beard and there's a story why I keep it. There's a story around the type of clothing I wear. I, I think there's a story in everything. Uh and so I notice that, I see that and because I'm aware of
1: it, then I guess I'm naturally just a storyteller. So for you, it's more than weaving stories of, say, fiction. It's there's a story behind each thing that happens to us and that we do. Fair? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right. So before we go on, I got to ask that, what's the story behind the beard? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh,
0: well, I was in the military for 10 years. And as you know, you can't have a beard in the military. Uh, I would grow it out on leave. I would like it. And then I'd have to shave it off. So you'd get these, uh, the military was great cause you get 30 days of leave. And so you'd have this nice little beard going on or a goatee or, or whatever. Mm. I was never a mustache guy. No. Um, it's weird. Right? I, it I it just, I, yeah, I don't, the Aaron Rodgers thing he does every year is just weird to me. So, yeah. uh, I kind of went along for a while and then, uh, I kind of fell into this fundamental, uh, almost, I want to say a cult and it was, kind of banned. Like you couldn't have a beard. Uh, people would say you were out of favor with God. And, and uh, now that I've put those things behind me, yeah, re- really weird. Um, yeah. That's a dark episode of my life. Uh, so that on top of being military, uh, I kind of decided, you know what? I want to grow a beard. And so I was afraid to really grow it out. And so I had this like stubble level beard that I could quickly get rid of. Uh, but then I decided, you know what? I want to grow it out. And then I got addicted to it. Uh, and I, <laughs> the length and my wife loves it. So people say all the time, your wife must hate that. I'm like, no, my wife will threaten my life if I even joke about
1: shaving it. So I love that. That's funny. So, so funny. I've, I've always had a goatee. Um, my my wife and I've been married for uh, a little over eight years now. Um, and so our, our two kids have only known basically me with a goatee. Well, one, one November, I did the Movember thing. Um, and I shaved it all off to start over and they, man, they freaked out. None of them like it. All three of them hate it. So yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So, so this is a recent discovery that you figured out that you were a storyteller. Where do you, where did you not where, how, how did you discover that? What is it that said in your spirit, this is what I meant to be?
0: Uh, I mean, like I said, I've always known I was a writer. I mean, before, as soon as I could read a book, I knew I wanted to write books, and I was reading chapter books when I was seven or eight years old and so it's it's an all all my life thing uh, I turn forty next month, and so it's just it's an extension of who I am but I think coming to that realization that all stories are just a snapshot uh we We kind of view life in terms of stories, so you read books, you listen to stories on the radio or stories people tell you you watch movies and so you have this idea of there's a beginning middle and end but that's not the way life works life continues so after the credits roll the couple goes to a restaurant but we don't see that part after the credit rolls the you know something else happens and a new story begins and I think coming to that realization that there's just snapshots and me being able to find the beginning middle and ending in the snapshots of life is something that I'm I'm really fascinated with. I enjoy exploring that, and so I view story as this one continuous thing. But within each snapshot, there's something beautiful that I like to explore.
1: Mm. I, I that's an incredible way to describe it. I love that, Jed. Snapshots. That's really cool. Um, that's good. <laughs> I'm going to tweet that when I publish this. Um, so that that's good. Um, so it, I know that you're a, a, you consider yourself now a traditionally published author before being a self-published author. So that's a journey that you've been on. And I, and I know you covered it in your blog a little bit but for those who are just meeting you for the first time on the show. Um, how did that, how was that journey for you to go from self-published to traditionally published?
0: Rocky, very Rocky. Uh,
1: um, I, I,
0: some people have the perfect, you know, I wrote a book and then I marketed it to an agent. I got an agent and I got a publishing deal and boom, I'm famous. Well, that stopped happening in the 80s with Stephen King. Everybody else after him had to struggle. And uh, you know, he, he got his deal way before them. Anyway, um, for most people now, when the market being as saturated as it is with writers, authors, and people who want to be authors or claim to be, Uh, you know, anybody can write a book and put it out now. So for me, I didn't want to deal with that struggle. So I kind of, I went the traditional route with some of my poetry, attempting to get that, get out, get that out there. And I got a lot of rejections. And so I said, "Uh, well, I don't know if I want to do this. And so I took my hand at building a platform through self-publishing. So I wrote a novella. Uh, I did not go the right way. I didn't get an editor. I didn't get a professional cover designer. I, I did the cover design myself. I edited myself. I did all the back cover copy myself. Uh, not good, not good at all. And then I, I decided to go again. I'd learned a little more, but I, I didn't learn my lesson. And so I wrote another one, and it was even worse as far as uh, marketing goes. Mm. And then I decided to just kind of relax and focus on my stories. And I came across a. You know, my uncle sent me an email. My uncle's a writer, and he sent me an email about this thing called Faith Pitch on Twitter. And basically, you have one tweet, 180 characters which includes the hashtags of your genre and your audience and you pitch it. And so it goes out to agents, editors. And uh, if they, if they hit that, that heart, the like, you know, Twitter's like, then you can contact them and you can continue on. So I put a tweet out there on faith pitch and it got, it got liked by an acquisitions editor at ambassador international contact her. And she said, go ahead and submit. They're waiting for it. Uh, I submitted on Thursday. Monday, I got an email from the president of Ambassador International saying he'd read my book over the weekend and wanted to publish it. So that was my journey to traditional publishing uh, as of 2018.
1: Right on. So so social media really can make a difference in, in an author's life, not just terrible grammar and terrible, you know, <laughs> trolls and stuff, huh? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. With the social aspect, I I wouldn't recommend going the route of trying to market your books through social media, unless you have a massive platform, which I do not. Uh, But networking with other authors, writers, publishers, things like that, building relationships over time that will take effect. And there are some opportunities and you just kind of have to seize them.
1: Yeah. So what would be your biggest piece of advice then to other storytellers, other authors who are kind of in that thought process of, yeah, I can self publish but I really wanna find a traditional publisher. What would you tell someone starting off with that? I'd say, don't try to do both, uh, one or the other. Um,
0: because self-publishing done incorrectly will ruin your chances at traditional publishing, uh, or could. You know, so if, When you go to the big publishers, they're concerned with sales. When you pitch a book to them, on the pitch, you have to include sales. And it's not going to look good if you have five copies that you sold to your mom, that's just not going to be good. Uh, so my recommendation is really take stock of what you want. Do you want to have full control? Self-publishing may be the route for you. You're not going to have the same access. Now things are changing in the industry and they've been changing since about 2009 has been the really rapid increase. Uh, now tradition uh, self-published authors have more access to freelance editors, copywriters, Uh, book designers is more affordable, but you still have a lot of things that you won't have with a traditional publisher. So you have to decide, do I want to have full control or do I want to have more access to things like bookstores and libraries? But even then you're going to need the bigger deal. And just because you have a traditional deal doesn't mean you're getting into bookstores. Uh, It's the work is on the author. So you just have to decide what's for you. And I'd recommend contacting authors in your genre and asking their advice, you'd be surprised how open authors are to guide up and coming and, and be in friendships, relationships with other authors.
1: It's funny. Cause I always used to think like, that probably isn't a thing, right? Like there aren't a bunch of authors getting around and talking, but in reality, gosh, that's what Tolkien and CS Lewis did. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what I, th- I think authors like Dean Koontz and Stephen King still do. I mean, I, th- I feel like that's a thing where no, like, on Twitter, I know it's writing community. Um, that's what people do. They get around and want to help each other. So it's a really, it really is a small world then. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, mastermind groups are a big thing. I'm not actually part of any mastermind groups i have been, uh, just learning about that. I didn't even know they existed, but absolutely Lewis Carroll, uh, Tolkien and CS Lewis, they all were together. They were contemporaries. They knew each other. And so they would meet and they had this club and basically they'd smoke cigars and, and share their stories with each other. And uh, through that, they made each other better. And it's easy to, to think that you're a great writer when you're reading it and you're the only one. But when other people come along, they can give you the advice. You may be great. Doesn't mean you can't be better. And mm-hmm. so having someone to come along and help you out, but then also making the connections. You think of the guys from the uh, the, the era of the 20s, Steinbeck, uh, all those guys were were together, you know, where would Fitzgerald have been without all of his friends? You know, they, they knew, knew each other. They had these connections and that's how they got introduced to their editors, publishers. That's how they got the marketing deals. Of course, it's a different world, but yeah, it definitely exists.
1: And what's, what's cool is that what I've seen on through social media is that it it definitely is a different world, but that world is almost the same. It's just digital now. Like it's different, but the same. So Mm -hmm. yeah, very interesting. Um, so, Chad, why do you think we love stories so much as humans?
0: Mm. Oh, that's a tough one. But good question. I like
1: that. <laughs> I
0: Everybody loves a happy ending. Uh, and everybody's – some people don't. Some people like the sad, tragic endings. Um, there's something out there for everybody. But I think there's something in all of us – that wants more we want to explore also we want relations we want to know that someone is relating to what we're going through Uh, we want confirmation of the things we're feeling it's the exploration of the unknown so much of life comes from the unknown and writers spend their time in the unknown we we explore the possibilities we explore the what ifs Uh, if you ever hear, hear neil gaiman talk about the what if uh, he wrote an introduction to the anniversary edition of Fahrenheit four, 451 and he talked about that What if of uh, speculative fiction and that just sums up so much, but it's that unknown the answers to the questions in life we have and stories provide those for us you go back to the ancient civilizations all the way to modern times Nothing has changed. Only mediums have changed. We still tell stories by mouth we still tell stories written down. It's just we're not using clay tablets anymore.
1: So if that's what we love as consumers, as readers, as listeners of story, what do you then as a storyteller love about story? What does it do for you as the one who creates them and tells them?
0: I don't know if there's one specific thing that I love. I enjoy exploring. Uh, I, For me, it's kind of therapeutic when I'm, when I'm writing my stories Uh, There's a little piece of me and everything. Uh, Tolkien may not have been a fan of allegory, but I'm a huge fan of allegory. And you can find bits and pieces of my life allegorically intertwined into my storylines. I like exploring what could be. So, all these, like I said, the what ifs and the unknowns in the world, uh, I, I like to take a little bit of creative license and kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together that we don't have. You know, I don't know what's happening around the world necessarily. Uh, I can't go to Ireland. I've always wanted to go there. Maybe I could just write a story about it. You know, um, I don't know what my grandfather was like in terms of his relationships. Maybe I make it up based on what I know from what my parents have told me and just create a narrative. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as you're grounded in reality, just having
1: some fun with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the chance to explore on both sides of the, the pages or as the the creator or as the consumer of it. Um, I like that. So uh, so I want to talk about um, Fate of the Watchman. that's one of the things that you're that, – uh, re- that's your recent book, right? Your most recent? No, uh, the, the most
0: re- – It's the Journey of Fate series. Fate of the Watchmen is the first book. Uh, Fate of the Redeemed is my most recent release. Okay. Uh, Fate of the Watchmen started it all.
1: Gotcha. So let's talk a little bit about the that. Series than of uh, there are two books so far. How many more are you working on? First of all, you got more coming. I'm in pause
0: right now. Uh, uh, I, I've, you know, the creative well is not bottomless, and I'm in a position of refilling it. So together, altogether, there's four stories. There is a short story which is available on my website, Angel of Fate, and um, that's the precursor. It's the prequel to Fate of the Watchman. Fate of the Watchman is a story that took me five years to write. Uh, not five years continuously but uh i wrote it put it away for a while came back to it and then uh i wrote fate of the redeemed which is the sequel that i wrote that in about six to eight months and i really poured hard into it it was my first full-length novel that i'd written rough draft to finished in in that amount of time Mm -hmm. so it really tapped me creatively but i've definitely got two books that i want to write there's two or three more planned Um, but two, I want to write simultaneously for continuity because once you start getting into things, I've got, I've got time freezing. Uh, I've got people, uh, intertwined, I've got multiple plots weaving together. It's definitely a nonlinear plot that stuff gets complicated. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, I want to write those together so there's no continuity issues, which made some of my readers mad because, Mm -hmm. uh, I am a suspense writer and so, Here's a, tr- here's a trick. You want to know the number one trick for how to write suspense? Mm.
1: I'll
0: yep. tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so, I, so I end on cliffhangers uh, because it's suspense, you know? And so they're like, well, you shouldn't end ended it there. And I'm like, "Well, no, I should have because there's a book. Um, but I also get it. People want it complete. And, uh, and so I thought for sure, I was going to be writing the next one, but I just, uh, I had to take a break.
1: Mm-hmm. So when, so, all right, so we're, I'm going to, I'm going to edit this out for a minute cause I need to come back to something. You said Um, y- your video pause when you said you were starting the marketing for the sequel mm-hmm. and then you, and know, then you were quiet and uh, you were paused on me on my end. You were frozen until you started talking about um, that, the suspense part of it. So you were saying about the marketing, you you were marketing for the sequel and then you were doing, so the, go back to that for me, if you would. Sure. So while we were marketing Fate of the Redeemed, uh, I was
0: writing a short story, which is Angel of Fate. In that time, I was doing some blogging and I was working on the, the follow-up to Fate of the Redeemed. And uh, so I was doing an outline for that. And then also I started creating a, after Fate of the Redeemed came out, I was working on a serial blog, which is called uh, Keys of Fate which have actually consolidated now into one really long story, or you can read it in serial. Um, So that was all happening kind of simultaneously. So I was working on a lot of stories all at once. So you,
1: you love different platforms then different ways to tell your stories then. Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I love the microculture that, platforms like Twitter, Tumblr, Uh, Tumblr. I've never been on there, but just different platforms. Twitter, Instagram, they all give us these micro platforms where we can tell small stories. I like flash fiction and uh, I I think it's definitely a challenge to write a story in this little microcosm. And, and so, uh, yeah, I like exploring those. I like the serial aspect and I think that's the challenge. Now to be an author in 2020, you're going to have to be diverse. People are looking for books in different ways, uh, looking for stories in different ways. And if you can't deliver, then they're going to find them from someone else. And so I don't have a problem with that. I want to be adaptive. Mm-hmm.
1: So, Chad, you, you strike me as uh, quite a, an eclectic dichotomy of different things. So <laughs> what I mean is um, you, you write suspense, you said. I also see it called fantasy fiction. Uh, like on your website and stuff like that, right? And and that's what it seems like when I've read some of your stuff. It seems like fantasy. Yeah. But you're also, your background is, I mean, you seem like you're a strong Christian. You're a deacon in your church. You're an educator. You were in the army for 10 years. Like You seem to be this man's man, this man of faith, and yet you dabble in this fantasy fiction world. Do you see that as this interesting dichotomy of different worlds coming together? Or is that just who you are? Like, How do you navigate all that?
0: I've never really thought about it. It's just me. Uh, yeah. you know, it, I had a coworker, she said, I'd hate to be your neighbor. And I said, well, geez, what does that mean? Because my wife's a personal trainer. Uh, she's, she was a semifinalist in a national competition for Miss health and fitness. She uh, was recently in a uh, a commercial that will be coming out pretty soon. And so my neighbor said, yeah. Or my coworker said, yeah, living next to you. I'd be living next to a published author, I'd be living next to a soon-to-be-famous personal trainer. and I, yeah, I never really thought of that. Uh, we're just, you know, I'm just a guy. But uh, my time in the Army shaped me into who I am. My time after that, absolutely. The, the struggles I had with um, just really the bad side of religion, the dark, the dark side of that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I'm just me. And all that stuff just kind of rolled together,
1: and it seems like it's like so. so here's my side of it. I, I'm 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 a man of faith as well. Um, really involved in my church and stuff, and and have a, a strong faith. And I try and teach it to my daughters and stuff. But it look it, like, but I didn't used to be, and so I think about when I was growing up, church people, religious people, seem to be stuffy, not creative, not funny, or whatever, right? But in reality, like we we are the makeup of everything. And so, whether you're writing fantasy um, and suspense and thrillers, like you can still do that and have a faith and and don't be afraid of taking everything you have inside of you and and using it in some way. I guess does that like that sounds super cheesy?
0: <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, in fact, I've been blogging about that recently. You know, I found um, uh, there's this culture that exists in uh, people that are diehard Christian fiction readers. And they often what it'll be is an extension of their denomination. And so if the fictional book doesn't line up with their denominational statement of faith, some of the people in these circles will just slander the authors and they will bash the books. They'll call them trash. I started noticing this and I noticed that whether it be a poet, author, uh, any kind of writer, these Christians, musicians, they feel really trapped in this box of I have to do these certain things I can't say these I can't do this and so I started blogging about how I just completely disagree with that you know uh, I don't see my religion as crippling my relationship with God is enabling it's what provides me my freedom so for someone to come along and say I can't apply that freedom to my creative arts you're wrong and I'm going to call you out on it and so I started blogging about that And I got a lot of, that thing went viral. I got a lot of people contacting me, thanking me, commenting on it, emailing me, uh, sharing it and and stuff. And they were just saying, realizing I was saying the things that they couldn't say. And so there was a story in that, you know, there's a story that needs to be told of who you are should be an express, be expressed through your writing. It should come out. It should be a part of you. You shouldn't hold back. You shouldn't have to, pretend. Uh, so I don't know if that directly answered your question or if that was Alice going down the rabbit trail.
1: Yeah. I mean, I love chasing rabbits, so it's fine. <laughs> but no, that was exactly it. I just feel like, like we get it, put ourselves in boxes, people put us in boxes, whatever. And like, Oh, you write fantasy and you're a Christian. Wait, what? It just seemed mm-hmm. like this chasm that you have to cross yeah. in some way, but you just live it, which is really cool. Yeah. So yeah. Not a question, just a statement. Um. <laughs> so what do you find then right now is one of the biggest challenges as a storyteller you know you love to create you love to connect it sounds like you like to bring these new worlds not only to you but to your readers but what's one of the biggest challenges you face
0: for me right now my biggest challenge is is maintaining my creativity and productivity so i used to be really productive uh, and it was no problem for me and i'm not talking about writer's block i could write a story right now you I mean, I could take the orange on your microphone and turn that into a story my My brain will make that happen. Um, I think a lot of time writer's block is an excuse sometimes though it's I don't want to write what I'm writing, and I just don't want to write what I'm writing at the present moment. I want to explore some other things because internally, I'm dealing with some things, but to be obligated to write something, I think is very crippling creatively creatively, and so for me right now, it's just maintaining that creativity with productivity. Uh, so I'm just sort of allowing myself to just let life happen right now. I'm just living my life, enjoying some family time and uh, writing some poetry kind of under a secret handle that nobody, nobody really knows about. Uh, I love poetry and I, I might explore uh, publishing some of the poetry I've, I've written, which is related to my time in the military dealing with PTSD. Uh, something that I've never, never really admitted to until about six, eight months ago. Uh, I came out publicly with the fact that I had PTSD as a result of my time in combat. And, uh, so I have poetry related to that and just the American experience growing up with uh, a dad who was in the, uh, and uh, he grew up in the mountain culture and, uh, just a hardworking guy. He was a mechanic all my life and just, I grew up in that blue, blue collar, you know, typical American life. And so I explore some of that Uh, after the army, I did that as well. So yeah, my biggest struggle right now is just being creative and productive. And so it's a balance you got to find and maintain.
1: So you you use the word obligation. I want to, I want to unpack that. When, when you have this publisher that you are working for, I guess, maybe beholden to, is that part of the struggle of being a traditionally published author is that they expect a time frame, certain subjects, or do they allow you the freedom to do what you're doing and write something different? How does that work with a, a publisher?
0: So I'm with a small publisher. It's not uh, one of the big five or the big seven. And so I'm, I'm not beholden to the New York publishing houses by any means. Um, so I do have freedom. Uh, I don't have a current book contract. I'm not under contract to write. If I was, it'd be different. Uh, I would be still producing that book. I just don't think I'd be producing the quality I want because the next book I want to come out, it has to tell the story the way I want it to be. And the book I was working on at the time, it just, it wasn't there. And I didn't have that same connection internally. And if it's not there, then, you know, it's going to come through to the reader. Uh, So I'm not under obligation with that right now. If I were, if you were to sign a deal, say a three book publishing deal, then yeah, you don't have a choice. You have to hit deadlines. Uh, for me, I had zero deadline writing fate of the redeemed. I had just had a self-imposed, the publisher said they wanted the book to be published on October 1st. And so I, I did my best to make that happen. And, uh, but it wasn't really an obligation. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as exploring other things, I probably could, um, but I'm also not obligated to publish just with that publisher. I could still self publish. I could reach out to different types of publishers and I recommend for authors to really figure out the publishers that have a strong uh, sense of what you publish. You know, if you're going to publish specifically science fiction from a Christian perspective, then you probably need to go with something like Enclave Publishing. If you want to go with uh, secular romance, well then you probably need to reach out to the people that are publishing secular romance and really specializing in it. To assume that every publisher has everything and no specialty is erroneous.
1: Hmm. So okay, so publishers typically have kind of specialties you should kind of chase down then, yeah. Absolutely. That makes, that makes sense. Um man, fascinating. I could go anywhere with this. This this is a great conversation. I'm, I'm learning a ton, but also just learning a ton about your story too. Um, so you said something earlier about, I wrote down refill, you refill your creativity. Where do you go for that then? Hmm. Uh, like how are you you doing that right now?
0: Right now? Um, I'm, you know, I, I said the word obligation earlier. Uh, I'm not allowing myself to write anything out of obligation. Uh, so I have this fascination with, uh, ancient texts. I don't know why. Uh, I just think it's ancient cultures, gods and goddesses of Greek, Norse, um, ancient Samaria, all those. I'm just fascinated by them. And so I listened to some podcasts right now. I'm listening to the Epic of Gilgamesh, which I, th- I find is fascinating. And I'm also reading some, uh, information on some websites about ancient Samaria, uh, Samaria. Uh, I like mythology podcast and so I'm just doing some study on that and I have plans for that because throughout my stories, I incorporate angels and demons and the spiritual warfare, this battle that's going on behind the scenes. And I, I think there's a direct route to the gods and goddesses and the myths and legends of ancient cultures. And I want to bring that into my stories. And so for me to, to find that creativity, I'm exploring and doing the research. So, but I hate traditional, boring research. Like uh, it's not fun for me, but this kind of stuff that I really enjoy. Oh yeah. And so I'm glad I'm writing in a niche that I enjoy, but I need to really spend some time researching it. So that's for me, that's what it is. And at the same time, I'm writing poetry just about life and I'm writing them in micro. So it's just a five minutes. There's a poem and just kind of
1: just enjoying it
0: hmm
1: So, so you can fill yourself by still creating an output. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. At yeah. least For you anyway. You
0: know, yeah. You know, the, the law of apathy is a real thing. Things that sit will break down. Uh, when I was in the military, it was just this running gag. Uh, we had tanks and trucks, Humvees, uh, armored vehicles and they sat in the motor pools and if they were left unattended They'd get leaks. They would rust. They would break down. They have to be started. They have to run. And so uh, the writer's no different. Mm. Writers, authors, creative people in general, musicians, if we're not using our our creativity, it's uh, it's not like riding a bike. You, mm. you will forget. You need to be doing it. And so uh, the more you're doing, the better you are. But at the same time, you have to make sure that you're filling yourself up with new information. And I think that was my problem was I was, I was putting out the information. So I was getting better at my craft. Like my prose is getting better and all those sorts of things. And my storytelling, my arcs, my character development, those were getting better. I just didn't have anything new.
1: And so Mm. that's, that's what I'm doing now. Mm. Interesting. I love, I love the idea of research in a fun way, not just like, um, looking through books at a library that I don't want to know about, but yeah. like podcasts and everything There's so much, there's so many ways to take in content now that why not explore those? Right.
0: Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Podcasts are great. And uh, audio books. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think my favorite is podcasts because I can just click on, I can subscribe or download several episodes and just listen to them. while I'm at the gym, driving to work Mm-hmm. and uh, mix it up. You know, listen to an audio book, listen to some podcasts. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to be on your phone, which most of Americans are on their phones nonstop, do mm-hmm. something creative. So if you find me on my phone, I'm probably researching ancient Samaria and not scrolling Facebook, which <laughs> is weird. And I get that, but that's me and I like it.
1: <laughs> there you go. So Chad, how do you think we can use story to improve our everyday lives?
0: Oh man. Uh, we could probably spend two hours talking about that one. Just, uh, Mm -hmm. that alone, you know, people come through my class and uh, I'm, I'm teaching them fiction at the beginning of the year. I teach ninth grade high school English. And at the beginning of the year I'm teaching them fiction. Why do we need to read books? Well, because we gain empathy through characters, characters that are relatable. We learn their experiences, you know, uh, when I was in college, I used to say this in some of my classes all the time. You can sit here with your history books all you want, but if you want to know about American culture uh, prior to the Revolutionary War, get the journals of all the pilgrims, get the journals of the people that were involved in the, uh, the earliest relationships with Native Americans. Read those journals and you'll find the truth. Read the poems and the books. Um, if you want to know about culture in Nathaniel Hawthorne's time, read Nathaniel Hawthorne's books because the expression, the culture is expressed in those books. And so we can learn about our culture and see the flaws in it. See, that's the, that's the key dystopian literature. I love dystopian literature because it allows us to explore the possibilities of what will happen. Guys like Aldous Huxley and, and him, they, they just, they nailed it. They predict Ray Bradbury. These guys predicted the future. We're talking about people that didn't have TVs predicting people doing the things they're doing with TV now, talking cars, cars that drove themselves in a time when this guy didn't even own a car. Aldous Huxley predicting the addiction people would have with pills. And so stories allow us to get empathy for other people. They allow us to understand the flaws in our culture. They also help us to understand the best parts of our culture and they allow us to explore the possibilities of what would happen if we didn't do this, or if we did do this. And so I don't think there's a better way
1: than story. And those, so when you say story, I have to believe that you all, that you probably picture, like I do from our conversation, more than one way to take in a story. There's novels, short stories, poetry, micro moments, as you said. Um, I mean, is that like, do you think of all those different ways to take in a story?
0: Oh, definitely. Definitely. And um, you know, I, I'm hoping to start a podcast, uh, sometime next year. That's, you know, that's, I'm not throwing that out as a commitment. Anybody listening to this, don't hold me to it. Uh, I'd like to start a podcast. Uh, I, I also like the idea of, uh, getting some public speaking engagements just to extend into some different ways of telling
1: the stories. I love it, man. So good. So much good stuff here. Um, how, all right, so let's get a little bit tactical you you've gone from self-published to traditionally published you talked earlier uh, in the conversation about the ups and downs that you had um, how you and I, I love what you said about don't use social media to advertise your book necessarily right um, but the question comes down to how are we supposed to get our stories out today
0: Great question. If you figure it out, I need to know. I need you to send me like a docket on that. Uh, So, well, you're a marketing guy and you understand that knowing your target audience is the key. If you don't know your target, you're wasting your time. You're throwing darts at the wall. Uh, But not only knowing your target, but knowing how to connect with your target. So if I've got a dartboard on the wall and I grab a flamethrower, I'm not going to get the job done take my dartboard with a dart and get it the proper distance, then I'm getting something done. But if I take that dartboard and I stand back 400 yards and throw a dart at it, I'm never going to reach the target. So all that to say, you need to know who your target readers are, where they are and how to connect with them. So 2020 is going to be a crazy year. I think 2021 is going to be the big disruptive year for Amazon just noticing the trends about every three years, there's a huge disruption. Uh, Back in 2009 was like the surge of the eBooks. And uh, in recent years, we've had the surge of audio and audio is on day one, maybe at day zero, honestly. So uh, a lot of readers are big on libraries, but I think subscription is gonna be the big thing moving forward. Uh, You look at Disney Plus, you look at Netflix, Hulu, everything is based on a subscription. And subscriptions is not new, it's just resurging. So I think, if readers, I think if writers figure that out and figure out how to master the subscription model, they're gonna be in good shape. And there are some people doing things with like Patreon, uh, but Patreon is supporting the artist that's not supporting the reader. So yeah, you support me on Patreon and you get free stuff and I write. But, and so that's sort of a symbiotic relationship, but I'm talking about you subscribe to me and I give you stuff on a regular basis. That's the model that I think is going to disrupt in 2021. It's going to take over. I don't know how that looks. Uh, but, but again, going back, if you don't know how to reach those readers, you can forget about it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of readers are not buying books. They're getting them at the library. So are you getting into the libraries? You got to figure out how to do that. The publishing houses, are taking their lessons from self-published authors. Um, The big, you know, Hollywood is reaching out to self-published authors now and things are different. Just the world is changing and we need to be, uh, be adaptive. But I haven't figured out marketing. I haven't figured out how to get the big sales. I'm not that guy. Uh, I do know based on research that social media is not, is not effective. If you want to sell books on social media, you'd need about a million followers on Facebook to sell one book. Mm. It's kind of how the numbers work out.
1: Mm. That is terrible. <laughs> it really is. I'm not is. surprised. I'm not surprised though. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's one of those things when people hear that I'm I'm in marketing, they're like, oh, so like social media. I mean, that's one place, yes, but that's not where we. That's not how it works. So, right. Um, interesting. Yeah, and Facebook keeps taking it away more and more. So, um, yeah. All right. So so mark your calendars. T- the end of 2020, we're gonna see. The subscription thing change i love that we're gonna watch that um yeah and it's, and it's fascinating to figure out where that's going to go and how to build community to get subscribers right that's what it comes down to how do you build your community that will mm-hmm. then subscribe to you so um that's good stuff jeb so i'm gonna get to my my last question here in just a second uh, but i want to make sure everybody listening gets to connect with you so where is the best place to hit up Chad Pettit and see all your books and read your stories and give us a listen to that forthcoming podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so definitely, um, looks like I froze. I can hear you. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. So if you want to connect with me, the best way is through my website, chadpettit.net that's C H A D P E T T I T dot net, dot net and uh, all my links to everything is on there so it's my hub if you want to start the angel uh, excuse me start the journey of fate series go to my website and you're gonna be asked if you want to subscribe and you'll get a free short story instantly sent to you for in exchange for your email address you angel of fate and that's your taste test if you want to find out if the journey of fate series is for you i'm on facebook and i'm on twitter um uh, mostly I'm connecting with writers on, on Twitter. Um, uh, and Facebook is kind of going away because as you know, Facebook continues to limit our organic reach and they want you to pay for everything. Uh, I'm not bound to that, uh, mm-hmm. And so probably stepping away from Facebook in 2020, I think Facebook is going to be disrupted in a big, big way. They should pr- prepare for that. Um, mm-hmm which is probably why they bought Instagram because they saw the writing on the wall, but yeah, chadpettit.net. And that's where you'll find me consistently.
1: Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. I already get that and your social media as well. So Chad, if someone were to tell you uh, today that you can no longer be a storyteller, they got to find something else to do or find a new way to live. What would your last story that you'd want to go out on be?
0: My last story would be, the meta version of me reacting to that. So I would tell the story of somebody coming to me and telling me that I had to change everything and I would create that person as a monster in my story and they would be the big bad and I would be a superhero and I would destroy that person and launch them into the multiverse.
1: I love that. I love that. That was great. <laughs> awesome, man. Chad, thank you so much for being a part of the Storytellers Network. ChadPedet.net. Go visit that website. Cheers, man. I appreciate you. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. I had a great time. Once again, Chad Pettit. Thank you so much, Chad, for being a part of the show. You can connect with him at the links in the show notes, like we mentioned. Enjoy the episode. Share with someone who could benefit from it. Social media, personal email sharing it in just plain conversation all help spread the word on these conversations with storytellers. Let's change the world through story together, shall we? And if you want to share your story with me, go to the storytellersnetwork.com to connect or email me directly dan at the storytellersnetwork.com. Be sure to subscribe to the email list for new episodes and insider information delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Until next time, here's to telling our stories and having stories to tell. Cheers you